most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of What Most People Think. How, how are you doing, man? Have you got a little bit of that weird little feeling in your stomach, that little sort of butterfly of optimism? Has it happened as a result of Boris's roadmap? Is it a roadmap? Doesn't seem like a very fast road, let's be honest. If that is the pace that we're going to set, is it, is it a roadmap or is it a, a sort of medium-paced donkey trek back to normality? I've got this up early today because I wanted to respond to the announcement itself as soon as possible. Uh, but also, you know, it's a bit sunny today. There's day-night cricket tomorrow, which is Wednesday. There's some distant prospect of normality. I, I didn't really know how to deal with this feeling. But on the other hand, when I think about how long this shit is going to take, you know, I mean, like, if you behave yourself, if everybody's very good, then, you know, at some point in May, you could have a haircut in your own fucking garden. How about that? Hey, you lucky people. If you behave yourself, you could... I mean, it's not... It's not a, a, a pacey uh, sort of route out of lockdown, but I guess I guess it's something. I guess it's something. You know, when they say you, well, you could have a self-catering holiday in, what was it, April, May? There is a part of me that thinks, wow, you're essentially telling me I could go to another flat or house in another bit of the country and essentially live the same kind of semi-imprisoned life I, I live now. And I'm supposed to be uh, celebrating this. I don't know, but, but it's... It's just something, it's something, but I do feel that we need to unpack this this week. So it's going to be us this week, it's just us, hope that's okay. We've had a couple of guest episodes uh, on the spin, following up from the highly discussed Owen Jones episode. You know, most of you seem to enjoy it, some of you felt I went a bit easy on Owen. You know, I never really have guests on to hammer them. I'm, what I'm doing is I'm looking to score, Yeah, I'm, I'm looking to score a couple of wins there, and I felt that on the subject of... Uh, well, tax and trans. <laughs> Do those things normally go together? I felt on the subject of tax and trans, I felt like I made my point there. But look, he made a couple of arguments about economic policies that do have a lot of po uh, popularity. There's no getting away from it. I don't agree with them. I don't agree with big state, you know, heavily managed economies, but a lot of people do. But then we were back on more solid territory, more what most people think territory of one, uh, with Constantine Kissing. And that chat that me and him had about Labour and why Labour so... <laughs> <laughs> old Keith. It does make me laugh that the hard left started calling Keir Starmer Sir Keith. I don't know why. It's just such a such a clever little diss, isn't it? Because he is boring as fuck, isn't it? I was speaking about this with another comic the other day who is very left-wing, but couldn't get past the fact that, you know, because when Boris stood up and did his announcement, this is, this is the benefit of power, people, is we all gave a shit. Whether or not Boris is shambolic, whether or not you're sort of dubious about the amount of kids he has, all the stuff, all the articles he's written, he is Prime Minister and there is a certain gravitas that goes with that. Starmer stood up and about a minute and a half in it, I was going, yeah, oh, fuck it. He's just become a bit boring, hasn't he? It's really strange because even I last year was sort of taken with his style, his forensic manner at the dispatch box. But yeah, it does seem to have fizzled out a bit. And there you go. How long did we get in the podcast? Maybe three minutes before... I should have been speaking about the government, but I ended up obsessing about Keir Starmer. Um, just before I do a shout out to the new VIP patrons, we do have a confirmed date for the next Patreon-only club gig. So what? this is comedy. This isn't new material. I'm booking really great comedians, and this is going to be... I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to tell you now. It is 3rd of March. 
the headliner is going to be Ian Stone, a brilliant comic. He's been on the podcast before, very experienced. He's been on Mock the Week. He's got his own show called The Football's On on BT Sport. He does fighting talk. And then the other one, the other guest is a very special guest who I'm not allowed to say who it is, but suffice to say they're one of the biggest names in comedy at the moment. Uh, regular on Would I Lie to You, Have I Got News for You, and other programmes that end in the word you. So if you sign up, everybody will be able to watch that. All tiers will be able to watch that. And if you're VIP, then you'll have a chance of watching it uh, from the front row. So let's just say hello to a couple of patrons. It's Simon Aspinall. I think that he's. Uh, I think that's a second week. There's a little bonus for Simon Aspinall. But we've also got Richard Pelly, who for some reason, I'm really sorry about this, Richard, but that name is screaming out to me like a Viz character. Is there a reason for that? Oh, yeah, Roger Melly on the telly. Richard Pelly on the telly. Or or maybe you're like a um, a TV critic from the 80s. Remember when TV critics were sort of normal people then, rather than rather than twats called fucking Jemima? Uh, Richard Pelly on the telly. Yeah, really enjoyed Boys from the Black Stuff this week. Four stars, uh, rather than a fucking essay about a drama. Uh, so welcome and thank you for your uh, funding of My Lavish Lifestyle. The Cuss Count, uh, we had Constantine Kissing back on uh, last week. And if you haven't listened to it yet, he was frankly shocked to find out that he only had clocked up two swears in two appearances. So he upped that to nine swears, but he's the first person to have ever been on three times. So nine swears, we're not talking about a high ratio here. So he certainly, not, you know, he's bumped himself up the swearing leaderboard, but not significantly. In terms of my swears... There were, let's have a look what we've got this week. So we've got an even number so we can do it like football scores. Fucking 23, cunts 2, shit 6, fucked 1, and pisses 1, bullshit 1. <laughs> there is something about that rhythm that's quite reassuring. Pisses 1, you already know it's a draw then. You don't even need to tell me the next score. You can go pisses 1, bullshit 7. It doesn't work like that. Uh, and that works out as 0 0.6. Uh, six swears a minute so this week as i say we're going to be getting in to the nitty-gritty of boris's plan then there was this incredibly self-pitying virtue signaling tweet by madonna i don't know if you heard about that but we're gonna have a quick chat about that and her views on the patriarchy and then a, yeah, a slightly serious subject well I mean, this is classic blokes mental health thing it's about grief I mean, it couldn't be more serious, but even as I mentioned it, I was trying to sort of obfuscate there. Well, you know, slightly serious subjects. But I've got this kind of theory that, I don't know if you're struggling more with grief um, during lockdown, but I've got a theory as to why that might be. And then we're going to end uh, sort of more lighthearted with a couple of letters. And talking of lighthearted, we always do a thank you and a fuck you. I'd like to say thank you. As we all know, food is now our religion. It's the only thing in our life that really carries meaning and joy. Uh I had a pie for lunch the other day. Now, first up, I, I've had a curry for lunch recently. I'm sort of going through a spell of having things for lunch that you shouldn't really have for lunch. But my missus went to the um, the gardening centre because obviously that's one of the few places that you can go and just walk around <laughs> and feel like life is normal. You know, pretend that you're going to buy a goldfish, stuff like that. And uh, she brought back these wicked pies, but I wasn't able to have mine. But for six days, I've known that I was going to have it. I, I planned. Do you, are you doing this at the moment? I planned that I was going to have it for my Monday lunch. And I was on a writing day for a TV show. And let me tell you, pie for lunch is... If you want to say anything funny in the afternoon, do not have pie. Do not have pie. Because I went through... Because it was a chicken, mushroom and bacon pie. I'm probably going to salivate talking about it. It's a chicken and mushroom and bacon pie. And so the levels of dehydration... Because I think, I think the pastry was quite salty. So I went through one level of dehydration. Then there was the sauce and the bacon. By the end, 
I like had to have an IV drip put into my arm just to restore my levels of hydration from this fucking pie. But you know what? Because I'm a man, I don't regret it. Okay, we do damage to ourselves, but sometimes it's worth it. <laughs> Pie-based damage. I don't care. I don't care. I'll stand by my, my, my decision. I had pie. I'm, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to have like a spicy pizza next week. Uh, and a fuck you to the person posing as me on Instagram at the moment. Now, first up, I should say that this is possibly the least ambitious fishing scam of all time. I mean, I, as I mentioned last week, that I'm trying to up my numbers game on Instagram, and thank you for those that have joined up for the top quality content. <laughs> I mean, thank you also to those of you that joined up and then pointed out how shit I am at it. Um, so I'm not, I'm not that great. I've got about three and a half thousand followers, which if, if you don't have many, you might think that sounds all right, but trust me, there are, there are kids sort of bursting pimples that have got 10 million followers, right? So I'm not doing very well there, but so the fact that I had a person sort of, you know, pretending to pose in as to be me. I should have reported it, but I was I was sort of honoured. Do you know what I mean? First of all, I thought they were idiots in terms of picking me. Of all the, the well-known people they could have picked, they could have picked someone well-known. It was a compliment in many ways, and I, I quite liked it. It was sort of like having a stalker. And I, I realise, obviously, I've got to put a disclaimer in there that Jeff Norcott is in no way uh, diminishing or decrying the impact that stalkers have in real people's lives. I mean, <laughs> people always do these disclaimers now. Imagine if I didn't do a disclaimer there and then someone took up stalking just because what I'd said. I would argue that if you do something awful because you heard a joke, you were probably always going to do something awful. Okay, let's crack into the first subject, which is Boris's roadmap to peace. Not peace, normality or something at some point in the future. Could, could be reversed, cautiously reversible, all that bollocks. Okay, so the first thing we should say is, and I did an article on this week on this in The Spectator. Did that, that made me feel good to say that. Oh, yeah, I just did a little article uh, in The Spectator. It's probably still up there about how lazy we'd got, right, in terms of looking for a roadmap out of it in the first place. Because even prior to Boris uh, making his announcement in the Commons, we got lazy, didn't we? We sort of just, I don't know what it is, man, because it was cold. Right, it was really cold for a long time. Then it was really rainy. Just eating... Net, we're just on a combination of sort of Netflix and midweek takeaways, there's something about like box sets and and congealed fats that just kind of got into our bloodstream and pacified us. And obviously, if I was a conspiracy theorist, I would think that uh, Netflix and Deliveroo would somehow sort of uh, were bribing the government over some photos of Matt Hancock in a fucking gimp mask. But we were. <laughs> We, we just we stopped thinking about it. If we're honest, even those of us who are very, like me, very worried about what lockdown will do to the country's economic and mental health going forward and about the price that kids would have to pay, even I'd gone, yeah, yeah, whatever. Sort of like, you know Tom Hanks on that island in Castaway, except we, were just, we, we weren't trying to escape. We were just... Uh, we were just talking to Wilson, you know what I mean, sitting there watching uh, the latest series of Cobra Kai with Wilson... <laughs> just going to just eat deliver to this island because if they do i feel like i'm cool i'm good i'm good for a few weeks and we got we got we got cozy that's the problem britain then the government they sort of picked up on this and they go yeah maybe maybe we could be a bit more cautious this time you know obviously we you know a lot of people died in the winter of the hundred thousand mark that we passed the new variant i think we could be a bit more cautious this time so the, the goalposts started to move, right? What what happened 
I just was under the impression that it was really a case of vaccinate the really old bastards, right? I mean, that wasn't ever going to be the, the actual policy name, but that was generally the vibe was vaccinate the frail and we'll get out. Over 80s, we'll be out. Okay, now vaccinate the over 70s. Now, oh, it's got to be the over 50s. And then, oh, do you, oh, anyone with back pain or a, or a mortgage? Have you got a mortgage? Any, and you suddenly thought, they fucking moved this whole thing. And the problem is, is that the, you know, risk averse, the risk averse, and now a political constituency, aren't they? There's a group of people, you know, the ones on YouGov, we spoke about many times, the people who think any measure didn't go far enough. If, uh, if you get put under house arrest, they want more. They're like, well, why won't we chain to our radiators being waterboarded through double face mask, right? <laughs> you know, you've got to throw red meat to that constituency. And, and if you do throw red meat to them, then make sure that red meat is cooked to the middle, fully COVID safe, and delivered by someone who looks a bit like the guys in the E.T. film wearing hazmats. That was the backdrop against which the government made their decisions, right? Uh, I don't know what the government thinks certain people have been surviving on in the meantime. Like restaurateurs. I don't know what the government thinks restaurateurs are surviving on. I know that naturally, as a group of society, they aren't the most instinctively, uh, most deserving of uh, pathos, right? I think the poor restaurateurs, right? The government's just going, yeah, no one gives a fuck about restaurateurs, all right? Uh, just tell them to raid the fridge. Yeah, raid the fridge. Just, uh, you ain't got any money. You've uh, Your house has been repossessed. Here's a theory. Move into your restaurant, live there, and then just slowly defrost the perishables, right? And uh, we'll give you a little shout maybe uh, in May or something if the four tests of the horsemen of the apocalypse, maybe you'll be able to earn four quid in May. That sound good? <laughs> It's amazing, it's amazing how much this Tory government have neglected uh, entrepreneurs, you know, and company directors and stuff. I mean, it is supposed to be the Conservative voter base. I mean, just imagine it would be like Labour neglecting the working classes. I mean, it just, just wouldn't happen, right? Wouldn't happen. But these are the plans, right? These are the plans, is that schools are going back 8th of March, right? Now, by this point, I think kids are within their rights to wonder how seriously they need to take school, especially kids that have only started going in the last two or three years. The period that they haven't been at school is now not a lot bigger than the period that they have been at school, okay? And I think what they're supposed to say, oh, yeah, it's definitely going to last this time. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're fully within their rights. Their, their lived experience that they can remember involves school shutting again. How, how much, how hard is it going to be to get kids to knuckle down to deadlines, you know, coursework and, or, or even just like homework, kids doing homework for the first time. They go, and this homework is due in seven days' time. And the kids are like, okay, let's see if we get there. Yeah, Okay, yes, yeah, seven days' time. Notional future where stuff is nailed to the wall. Okay. And then, you know, but this has been, this has been a lot longer. People seem, a lot of people are surprised when you say to them that this lockdown has been longer than the one we had last year. Because that was like, oh my God, how have we done this as a society? Locked down for well, this one's longer. This one's going to be, and it's going to be a lot longer by the time it finishes. And you know, for some of the kids that are coming from, you know, we all know that the people that go, kids that go to school now, a lot of them haven't got uh, basic social skills. Okay, so what I'm saying is, a lot of kids are going to, when they go back, they'll be shitting in corners. That's what's going to be happening. The teacher's going to be, oh man, that kid, I did so much hard work with that kid, pointing out to him that he couldn't just shit in a corner now. If I can just. Ugh. We'll have to, well, let's, let's start getting him pissing in the toilet. And then by half term, maybe he'll remember where he needs to shit. What most people think. So by the 29th of March, by the 29th of March, we'll be able to meet for coffee and a picnic. 
Can I just say, you know, who is who is making these rules? Or certainly like the things that they use to embolize freedoms. Embolize, is that even a word? Embolism? Symbolize freedoms. Coffee and a picnic. Who's making these? Is it some middle class woman called Miranda? Oh, coffee, picnic, tennis. I mean, like, when I hear that, I'm thinking, drink, we shall drink again in the park. And I think, in fairness, a lot of Britain will be thinking, I thought you could do that anyway. <laughs> there are, I, th- I would imagine, a lot of people, and this is the problem with a lot of these rules, is the public may well be ahead of the government on this, is there a lot of people who are literally sitting in the park having a picnic and a coffee and maybe a Stella. That'd be a weird combination. And they heard that on the radio and they're like, oh, quickly packed away the little uh, red and white blanket that they had. Oh, shit, I thought we were, I thought we, do, I thought we could already do that. But that's going to happen 29th of March. And then a, a, a short fucking, you know, two weeks later, April the 12th, retail will open. Finally, finally, the shopaholics can get back to shopping because, of course, you know, no one's been shopping at all during this period. And uh, I mean, it's a bad day for Amazon, isn't it? Bad day for Amazon. <laughs> There's not. I don't know if it's such thing as a bad day for for Amazon. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that even if a fucking asteroid hit the Earth at this point, there'd be some way that you know Jeff Bezos could monetize this. Um, but there will be your gyms will be open. Gyms will be open. I would hang around outside the gyms that day because a lot of these gym bunnies. You know what these lads are like now. Like, I just want to be big. I want to be big. I like being big. I like to feel big. I always think blokes like that. You're. I just think, you're right, mate. Like, do you not feel like uh, enough of a man? It's almost like, I want to be a real boy. Oh, <laughs> if I'm big, nobody can ever hurt me again. Uh, this is basically a flabby 44-year-old man kind of uh, excusing his physique. But I do think it's weird, the guys that, you know the guys that when you're, if you're in a gym, they have they drink a protein shake in front of you. And I, I would be so ashamed if I was like so patently just trying to increase my mass I would do that privately. Do you know what I mean? Like to me, someone drinking a protein shake in front of you, it's as bad as injecting roids. You know, oh, I want to be bigger. Like God gave you a fucking physique. Yeah, that's what you've got. Now you can tone up what you've got. But if you're trying to, uh, <laughs> this still sounds so defensive, doesn't it? But if you're trying to like permanently add bulk over and above what God gave you, you're gonna you're gonna run into a problem, aren't you? Because it's like it's like an economy. It can't grow forever without a recession. And then all it's gonna take, and then you'll define yourself by having this size. You know, you're bowling around and go, man, you could book. And I think I, I don't think that many women are into it, but you notice how like it's blokes that are impressed by bigness. They'll be their mate that'll be like, oh you got big man, you got big and start slapping his chest a few times. A little bit too hard, and even he'll be like, look, I wanted your respect, man, but I feel like the way that you your hand lingered on my chest there was a bit weird. So the gym bunnies will be happy. They'll be back. They'll be back. And then the barbers will be open then. I don't, I don't, I don't even know now what my hair will look like at that point. I'm not throwing forward two months from the shit show that is on top of my head now. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, by that point, I'm thinking my wife will have cut my son's hair. She'll probably do that before he goes back to school and I would think and here's a little bit of advice I just had an idea I had do it a week before they go back to school right if you fuck up that yeah so if they're going back 8th of March 1st of March have a go at it if it's a shit show you can give them a crew cut okay so I guess you could always give them a crew cut do you know what I mean but you want a dry run at that <laughs> you want a first day back at school you do not want to be going in with hair like a fucking wildling <laughs> 
You just go in there, wildling head. You just get a new nickname. You're like, hang on, I already did the first bit of term, and I was not the, I was not the bully one. It was, it was that kid over there, the weird kid that always makes little fucking uh, sign of a crucifix with his fingers. Um, <laughs> uh, my wife's not going to cut my hair. We've established that. I think that's true in a lot of households. She's just not. She's not up for it. She doesn't want the uh, jeopardy of it. I've offered to cut her hair. I've offered to cut her hair, but weirdly, and I think again, a lot of households will have found that women on women are just let it grow. They're like, let it grow, let it grow, rather than let you touch my bonnet. Let it grow, let it grow, you cack-handed fuckwit, no way. Because, yeah, they, they, they see how we try and wrap presents, right? They see, <laughs> they see our skills as lovers and they go, do you think I'm letting that prick loose with some scissors, with my crowning glory? No, no. But... One th- another fear I've got here, a little tip, <clears throat> is don't go, don't go to the barbers on the April the twelfth because they, I said this on Twitter, they are not match fit barbers. All right, you'll be coming out of there looking like a fucking savage. There'll be like puncture wounds in your neck from where the scissors kept going in. You'll look like you're basically you'll be going back out into the world looking like you took up heroin, <laughs> looking like you took up heroin during the last lockdown, and people go, oh look at Jeff, there, yeah, didn't take it too well there. He hit the uh, hit the brown, didn't he? He's coming out of it now. But yeah, it's been a bit of a dark place. I wonder if barbers are sort of tooling up for it, training. You know, like in Rocky Four, just gone back to basics, just sitting there with their first pair of scissors. If you, if you don't know the Rocky Four tune now and you feel out of the conversation, well, fuck you, Rocky Four is one of the greatest films ever. I can't, it, look, if I'm going to do the jokes, you guys need to do the research. So also in mid-April, a lot of shit happening in mid-April, man. Pubs can serve food and drink in groups of... We're bringing back the rule of six, the much-loved rule of six. We're bringing it back and in beer gardens. Now, another little prediction here. The concept of beer garden may change dramatically, okay? I think once upon a time, we all had an idea of what a beer garden might be. You know, quite a nice-looking thing with a kid's play area, some parasols, you know, nice, solid, expensive-looking benches. Well... You wait till pubs that want to open start whacking fucking white plastic furniture out on Kilburn High Road. Yeah, that'll be beer garden. With, with fully functioning beer garden. If you want those, you know one of those old pubs, you know what I mean, where the only other person you see is one bloke outside of it, an old fucker with one of those white beards with orange around his mouth where he's, he's rolling tobacco and Guinness. You know those old fuckers coming out for a roll-up about half 11, already pissed. I sort of envy those guys. Anyone else have a look at that and go, do you know what? That is, I can't say for certain whether that's a worse life than me. <laughs> just for a while, I've discussed this before. I just want to spend maybe a whole year of my life as a raging alky. Just just because, you know, like we always think about, oh, I've got to manage how much I drink. And But one, one year I went to the Munich Beer Festival and I got up every single day and I was like, right, I'm going to get shit-faced today. And I'm fucking, I, I really had purpose that time yeah I also had you know kidney complaints and uh, mild depression when I got back but I knew <laughs> I knew what I wanted I knew what the plan was when I got up in the morning but you'll be able to drink again outside um, then we get on to May May the 17th indoor drinking and dining returns saunas and spas reopen right ladies there you go you can stop moaning the spas will be open you can go back to the spa I love a spa I love a spa do you love the spa or do you love the word spa? <laughs> you know, it's just one of those luxury. It's like the word pampering. Do you want to be pampered? Don't get it with women and the whole pampering thing. You know, you're a fucking grown up. Do you know what I mean? Why, why do you have to have need, need some little servants? 
just threading your eyebrows. Why do you get off on that? I don't understand. Just self-grooming. What is it? What is it? Is it something from the tribal days when one woman, just all the other women in the, the village would get there and just fucking braid her hair or something? Like, does that make you feel correct again? I don't know, because I don't believe that it's all, you know, it's the pressure on women to look good. Well, we had a lockdown and there were women fucking putting their faces on to take out the bin. So don't tell me about the pressure <laughs> to look good. And 10,000 uh, 10, football fans will be allowed back in the stadium. Um... Good luck to the, the club. How are the clubs going to pick? Well, oh, by the way, if my my calendar serves me correctly, a week after the football season ends. So that's good, isn't it? That's good timing. Thank God for that. That'll help all those clubs to stop going under. A week after. Can we just can we just have like a, a break of two weeks just so all of us... My club, AFC Wimbledon, have got a new stadium and the fucking government are going to open it a week after there's no games there. Why are you fucking with me? Why you, I just want to go and see a match at New Plough Lane. Do you know what I mean? And what I'm probably going to have to do, this is what happened. The club will realise that there's twats like me that just want to see the stadium and I'll spend 15 quid to do a 30-minute guided tour. And if the club do take up that idea for marketing, I want 15%. Okay, but, oh, by the way, sorry, backtracking a second. May, May, two households will be able to mix indoors by mid-May. Now, this is the problem, and this is a problem with a lot of these plans, is that... I don't think you're going to get compliance for that long. If you're talking about the private area of people's lives, your houses, the people you see and have contact with, your, your loved ones, your family, and, and I, <laughs> I mean, they could be the same, right? But not all of us get on. They are, I don't know, man. May, mid-May. So you've had some places have been in lockdown since October of last year because we've had the tier, oh, the conveniently forgotten tier system, all the fucking ninnies, on Twitter are saying like, well, you know, the government let it be a free-for-all in the autumn. Did they? Or did we have a very strict tier system that a lot of people in the north and then the southeast were under for most of the autumn and winter? And also we had a lockdown in November. So it wasn't much of a fucking free-for-all. It wasn't a free-for-all where I could go to the swimming pool. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think a free-for-all, I think of loads of people just diving in a swimming pool with loads of inflatables. I couldn't even go for single-lane swimming with the old dis. Not that that is like a preference, like I go there specifically just to check out the uh, the new gilfs in the area. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I just I don't think it's going to hold, right? And then June nightclubs, you can do what the fuck you want. Come June, right? This is what this is what I think. What most people think is that yes, it is a cautious plan. It does seem it will probably have broad support given the way that these things have polled, and also the way that the liberal left tend to think about this subject and what and, and how cautious they tend to feel. But I'll tell you something, if you, if you think all this shit is going to hold till even the middle of April, because the moment that sun sh starts shining, man, you know, and just once it becomes six months since people have had their loved ones over to stay, I just forget my inclinations out of it. Forget my desire for liberty and all that. I don't think you're going to get compliance that lasts that long. And the moment the sun starts shining, the political pressure could shift from other parties to coming from the public who just want to fucking drink in a pub without a scotch egg that I didn't want. Okay, so hyping stuff, the tour, it has had to move, obviously, because <laughs> it would be illegal for it to happen. But we are going to be out there. We've moved all the dates now. So if you have tickets, you should have a ticket from your 
preferred ticket vendor and they will tell you when the new date is and that your ticket is completely valid. If you can't make the new date, then you will be able to get a refund. I really hope that you can make the new date because my God, it's going to be a party when we get back out there. So we are going to some places on this tour. We're going London, we're going Bristol, but we're also going places that we haven't been before. We're going to Northampton, right? We're going to Birmingham, the old rep theatre. That's my first time there. We're going to uh, Barnstable in middle of bumfuck nowhere. All right? You're gonna, you don't leave me hanging, Barnstable. We're going Lyme Regis. Yeah, we're going, we're going to Leicester. All right, I've been to Leicester before, but I've never sold that well there. So come tell me what the problem is, Leicester. Maybe I owe someone there their money and so that's all happening get your tickets now because with some certainty we can say by september and october this is going to happen and we need to start having things to look forward to so you can get those tickets on live nation you can get those tickets on live nation or just if you don't know how to get to of course just fucking google jeff norcott live nation what are you some sort of some sort of fucking fred flintstone <laughs> um patrons new patrons uh graham hobbins again i think graham hobbins We've had before uh, Andy King. Andy King, welcome to both of you. And if you have, if you feel you haven't had your shout out on the Patreon, or if you, even if you have and you just want to pretend that you haven't, then message me through the Patreon site. I do. It takes me a while sometimes, but I do read and well try to read all messages. I know I definitely read all messages, and we'll get your name out there. And as I've already mentioned, the Patreon only gig is coming up the third of March. All right. So I know that some of you are, might be feeling almost a bit tough. You're getting a gig, man. Whatever it is you pay, you're getting a gig. That gig will be worth 10 quid anyway. So just don't cancel your fucking patron. Do you know what I mean? Before old Jeff's had a chance to get on the road because, you know, I'm just saying, man, the kid, I love my son, but uh, he, he looks like a good worker. That's all I'm saying. If you want to be responsible for young Master Norcott going, uh, doing some chimney sweeping, <laughs> Okay, so we're going to talk about Madonna now. I don't know if uh, you've seen this tweet, but, you know, she's got to stay relevant by it. She's got to shock someone, isn't she, Madonna? She's just spent her whole career causing outrage. For a long time, it was the Catholic Church, wasn't it? She was like, she was almost like those comedians that thought mocking Christianity or Catholicism was controversial. But it, it wasn't really. I mean, you know, there are a couple of other world religions that it might have been slightly more contentious to go at, shall we say. But she's, uh, but yeah, she's she's made a living off of this, right? So she tweets the other day. I mean, she's already said some fairly dumb shit throughout lockdown, you know, some fairly tone-deaf stuff. But she tweets this. The patriarchy continues to crush my neck with their heavy boots. I'm going to say straight away that she doesn't really mean the patriarchy. What she probably means is some record company that she's not getting, like, residuals off like she thinks she should. You know, she's only getting, like, <laughs> she's only getting, like, 60% off the back end of the, like, a virgin artwork and she thinks she should be getting 90 right that's that's my hunch anyway she says they cut off my life force and take away my voice well first up did you ever have a voice don't want to be you know bitchy here but i mean you were never really about it was you were never no one ever thought madonna was the greatest singer you know and i'm gonna think uh life force here probably means money and she's anyway even those who call themselves artists you know who you are death to the patriarchy in capitals now and forever, risk what you value. Hashtag, hashtag value what you risk. Just think, just fucking really, Madonna. The first thing to say straight out of the gate is your life force is worth 850 million quid, okay? You've got a lot of life force, right? So if you are being oppressed, okay, whatever the patriarchy fucking is, it hasn't stopped you becoming wealthy beyond most people's imagination, you know? 
And yes, during the process of, you know, attaining that wealth, you had to make certain concessions to the male gaze, right? You had to dress and act in certain overtly sexual ways. But I mean, look, we all make concessions. Yours are a lot more lucrative than mine, love. I would make those concessions. I would fucking dry hump uh, a crucifix on a bed if I, <laughs> if I got 850 million quid. The fucking front of this woman, you know? You got rewards for it. The patriarchy. Live your. She's trying to rally people. She. You know what it is. She probably saw that Taylor Swift got a thing going in terms of getting back her back catalogue. You know, because both of these singers didn't read the small print on their contracts. And yeah, these evil guys. You just got. Um, you know, if you if you're not going to read the terms and conditions, ladies, then I don't. <laughs> what What do they mean by the patriarchy? What does this even mean? Is it Is it a self conscious entity? Right. What what, what they probably mean is the powerful. I don't think it's exclusively men anymore, but yeah, probably is mostly men. But the point about the patriarchy is it's not a, a self-aware entity, is it? We don't like, just to let you know, ladies, any feminist meet, you know, we don't organise meetings, yeah? We don't like get a little alert, oh, meeting of the patriarchy, what are we discussing this week? Well, you know, we try to push back after me too, see if we can get a bit of our slapping back in the workspace. Such a thing does not exist. And, and, and I, I mock the idea that it's self-aware in the same way that, you know, when people say liberal metropolitan elite, this isn't a group of people that know what they're doing, you know? They, they just for, happen to form a power base, right? And I, I just can't believe the tone deafness of this. You're rich. You're out of the game, Madonna, right? You just fucking retire. Why are you even still talking? How old is she? I'm going to guess 65. How old? How is Madonna? She is, going into the Wikipedia now, she is, well, she had this censored from the internet. Look, Madonna, if, if you want to be a champion of ladies, then you should be a bit more forthcoming. About, oh, she's 62. All right, she's 62. And just think now, just think for a second about, you know, we, we said this a lot about Donald Trump. Think about men of his age that you know. Think about women that you know who are 62. And imagine if you don't, mate, your Aunt Jean, yeah, old Jean, imagine Jean, now, just transfer a wire of 850 million quid. Would you think Aunt Jean would still be moaning about anything? Yeah, well, it depends on your Aunt Jean, do you know what I mean? But some people always, but she just, she just can't, you know, she can't, I mean, she has so much power, she's adopted half of fucking Africa. Let's talk, you want to talk about power, what kind of resources do you need to do that? You know, that is the matriarchy. You're just going over there, just taking African babies. Why am I getting so irate about this? The point is, this is why I think this is, this is the same as where Meghan and Harry in the midst, in the very kind of like cauldron of COVID first happening, Meghan and Harry. Do you remember it was last spring? They were like, uh, uh, we're not going to be talking to the Daily Mail. You know, you fuck off, all right? Meghan and Harry, just shut up for a second. Not now. Yeah, in normal times, this kind of celebrity bullshit is sort of mildly distracting. But right now, there's a lot of people out there, particularly working class people, particularly young people, particularly people that work facing the public that are losing their jobs. And you bitches are fucking whining about getting misquoted in Grazia. Okay, just just lay down your arms until this shit is over. And you know what, Madonna? You know, you don't get to talk about the patriarchy. There are some women that do, but I'm afraid I've got 850 million reasons why maybe you need to shut the fuck up. Oh.
That was a slight twist of fate there. That I got slightly more uh, animated about Madonna than I did about our civil liberties. But you never know how it's going to go. I just want to talk about one thing at the moment. Is uh, something I've noticed in in lockdown in relation to grief. Right. So I might have mentioned it before, but I lost over the last ten years. I lost a. Uh, Quite a lot of people, right? And, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Here's where I lose listeners. Oh, Jesus. Okay, I think that's it for episode 78. Just bear with us a sec. We will be back to talking bollocks very shortly. Um, and I've noticed in this lockdown that, weirdly, some griefs from quite a long time ago have kind of reared their head again. I don't know, have you heard any of that? Anyone that's lost a parent, you know what I mean? Or just a mate or... You know, I, I've lost all of those and, and they have been coming up. And I was trying to think why that was because you have these mad dreams and then you wake up and it freaks you the fuck out. You know, I think most people have been having vivid dreams and you wake up and you feel, it feels weird, doesn't it, to be back in that place where you're going, oh. and there's enough bad stuff happening at the moment, you know, like you don't necessarily want to, you know, your missus is, you know, everyone's struggling, aren't they, with the homeschooling. You, you don't want to go, oh, you know that parent I lost ages ago, I'm really cut up about them at the moment. You know, I dreamt that we hugged last night. Yeah, that's not that useful when she's got to do eight hours homeschooling. So you sort of, you suck it up a little bit. And I'm sure that, you know, you know, my partner is sucking up things. That, God, where have I ended up with this? But what I'm saying is, why is it happening? Why now? And I've got this little theory is that I watched an episode of a show called This Is Us recently. And it said that there's a character in it that, that loses a partner. And she says one of the things she hated was time, right? Because... Every day, every week, and every year that goes on takes you further away from the person, right? And life events, things changing, moving houses, sometimes feel like another barrier between you and your past with that person. And I was thinking COVID is such a big thing. Like, it's almost like, you know, like uh, before Christ and Anno Domini, it's almost like before COVID and after COVID, BCAC, which does sound like a sexuality. <laughs> there you go. He couldn't, he couldn't do a whole serious bit without a stupid joke. But I wondered if that that's what it was. And, you know, feel free to write in about this or any subject, what most people think, UK, at gmail.com. But um, have I called that right? Are you having the same thing? Has it triggered some old feelings? Because, you know, once this all comes out the other side, this will be, I mean, you know, like even pre and post credit crunch felt like certain pivots in history. This will feel like that fucking 10 times that. And, you know, we I guess we've all gone through something massive without those people... Um, around and like I say whenever I talk about men's mental health it's not there's no resolution here do you know what I mean there never is especially with grief what there is is sometimes you have two things one is you're feeling sad about people that you miss and the other is you're feeling freaked out by stuff that's happening to you so at the very least you, what you can do is if you can rationalise oh yeah this is why it's happening because you know I've kind of had to go through this thing without them and nothing will really be the same again afterwards and you can at least then you can just go back to just feeling sad and crying, <laughs> crying, watching some weird thing on the end of uh, regional news. Okay, let's see what we've got in the letters here. See if we can lighten it up. Uh, this is from Pete. Pete says, hi, Jeff. I've been listening to your podcast for over a year and I'm loving the mix of non-woke content and middle-aged ramblings. Middle-aged ramblings, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I guess that's what they are. Uh, on which point, as I'm 43 in the same generation as you, so I'm wondering if you, like me, sometimes reminisce about the wrong things. For example, recently our food compost bin, right, this is how you pull out of a grief chat. It's either horse manure or food compost. Our food compost bin was so full that we had to throw everything in the big bin until the bin men did their weekly collection. I'm willing to do the recycling, but just for a brief moment, I felt all warm inside. And thought it was just a simpler time when we landfilled everything. 
I oh, mate, you're right there, Pete. I mean, it was, wasn't it? Those glorious halcyon days when we were using CFC-based aerosols, right? You know, four-star leaded petrol, heavy in the air, cigarette smoke all around, <laughs> mixing in with the smell of fried food. That was that was the those were the days. I know what you mean, though. You know, just a kind of. Uh, but I guess the thing is, Pete, is I, I, I think you're right that we didn't worry about the future in that respect. But there was also the threat of nuclear war. I think a lot of our generation forget that. I can remember, you know, the Cold War was still going on. I can remember one day watching a uh, TVAM and Anne Diamond was. <laughs> it was like I was sitting there eating my fucking cocoa pops, which, let's be honest, probably had a proper amount of sugar in back then, and um, and some tartrazine and shit that was giving me a buzz. And through that Cocoa Pops 1980s buzz, I hear Anne Diamond going, so is it inevitable that we will see nuclear war in our lifetime? I was like, okay, I'm nine, Anne. I'm nine. And that kind of discussion was very common, wasn't it? Watching shows like Fred. So yeah, on the one hand, we were in a sort of prelapsarian age where you could just lob everything in. Yeah, what, twice weekly bin collections? Just leave it out on the fucking street. <laughs> People were savage back in the day. You know, like, there's some things you can't defend. There's no reason why people were so slapdash with their rubbish. You know, people just fucking just lob it out there. You know, just literally walk past their own split black bag every day and think it was someone else's problem. So I guess the truth is that things, some things get better and some things get worse. Unless you're young now, things are definitely worse. Though you can moan about it on TikTok. Second letter here. Um, this was, oh, by the way, there was a chat we had last week with Constantine about somebody who contacted me working in the advertising agencies who was having a big meeting about and about how advertisers, because we talk a lot about adverts on this show and about the presumptions that they make about their audience. So they're having a big meeting to see whether or not adverts over the last year had had impact. So we've had a lot of virtue signaling, very woke adverts. And you're, honestly, this is a real turn up for the books, this. Okay, spoiler alert. They don't work that well. Yeah, I mean, the, the findings seem to be that, I suppose, as we've said for a while, that when people are buying potato waffles, they, they just want to know about potato waffles mainly. Unless you can, like, unless you can come up with a narrative that really is quite cute and inspiring and doesn't basically assume that they're a bad person in the first place, because that's what a lot of these adverts do, don't they? Hey, Britain, stop being racist. McCain's like you, you your starting point is that I'm racist that's why should I buy shit from you you're just like you're like a fucking parent that thinks the worst but anyway he is uh, he wrote um to sum up those working in creative agencies present a certain niche segment right they're all around the same age they all have the same background they all live in big cities like London and New York and they all have the same political leanings they all think they know what most people think and they all think like their shit left brain advertising. So, sorry, earlier on he explained something about left and right brain uh, advertising. We've gone and validated all our work and have a massive database of ads to show it isn't working, but on the large, they still just ignore it. Remind you of anything else? So, so this guy, he works, you know, he crunches the numbers and he's gone to these ad agencies and said, look, if you come with an overly metropolitan view that's pushing a sort of moral and political agenda when you're trying to sell floor mops, uh, it might not work. And these people who come from metropolitan, you know, the kind of like the uh, the Gareth's, I don't know, is Gareth that woke enough name, you know, or the, the Ismail's, uh, they're just sitting there going, no, I think uh, I think my inspiring uh, central character for the new John Lewis ad, who is a bisexual uh, fairy, 
uh, who is uh, who's being uh, slut shamed by a bear. I think that's really going to cut through. <laughs> okay, that is the end of this week's podcast, and I'm sure that some of you go, oh, "I prefer to be a guest." I really like doing these. Sorry, hashtag sorry. I I like it. I like it. It's nice for us to catch up. There, I said it. And I feel like sometimes if the subject is big enough, we have to get it out there. And a lot of people be like, yeah, you got it out there on a fucking Tuesday, Jeff. Well, it was big news, man. It's big news. I want to stay across it. And we have reviews here. We always read that. If you leave me a five-star review on iTunes, I'll read it out. Thank you to everybody who is leaving them across Podwank and Shitpod and Wank Bean or whatever it is that you get your podcast from. But these are the only ones I know how to access. Uh, this is from Sneedly. Sneedly. What a revelation. Slightly embarrassed to say that I've only just discovered this podcast. That's, I mean, you've got to be posh or middle class if you're embarrassed about I've just discovered a podcast. Love Jeff and KK together. Now going to scout the back catalogue, starting with OJ. This guy, you just, are you a Spitfire pilot? And this is from Jeffrey Nicholson with the correct spelling of Jeffrey. G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y. Don't fucking, I'm sorry, one of my friends, Jeff Williams here. I respect you, Jeff, but that is not how you spell Jeffrey. Um, this is from Jeffrey Nicholson, uh, very funny and does what it says on the tin. It's nice to find humour from the political side of the aisle I sit on. So many of our most talented cultural icons are left wing in music, art and entertainment. Jeff shows that the right can tell great jokes too. So refreshing and a must listen every week. Thanks man. Uh, this is from Flashman3. Good stuff Norcott. Now get your BBC lovies to put it ain't half hot mum back on the box. Well, I've done some difficult things in my career. I would argue that um, being uh, a Brexit voter on Mock the Week in 2018 and making three uh, jokes about Remainers, which all made the edit, <laughs> uh, that was I, I, that was a tough that was a tough sell. I don't know. Getting it ain't half hot, Mum. Back on the beeb. I don't know, man. I don't know. But look, the point is, uh, I was never booked back for Mock the Week, was I? But I made my point. Okay. Okay.